Okay. How do we do this again? Progressive Rugby League. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to the Progressive Rugby League podcast. John O'Duncan here. We've had a fabulous time away, but so happy to be returning to the swing of weekly episodes and dissecting all the latest in the beautifully rugged landscape that is Progressive Rugby League. And while most rugby league outfits after a few weeks off would feel their way back into proceedings by taking a few hit-ups from dummy half, getting to the end of their sets and kicking into corners, we're going to remain committed to metaphorically chucking it around in a crazy beautiful attempt at entertaining you, our wonderful listeners. It may or may not come off, but we won't die wondering. And joining me fresh-faced with thousands of miles under his belt on both sides of the road is my good friend, Big Al. G'day, Big. Hello. Thank you so much for once again allowing me to be a part of your podcast. Oh, right. <laughs> How dare you? How have you been? I've been really, really well. I've come back to this wonderful country of ours with a, mm. a new outlook on life, a renewed love of rugby league. Not that I, not that my love for it was diminishing in any way at all, but I'm just feeling really, really good about life, love, and league. <laughs> yeah, we did just have the best time in our rugby league study tour, and we were so glad to receive such positive feedback on both the episodes we put out, the audio scrapbook and our Struggle in the Daring book club with Mike Bryant. So thanks so much. We had a ball and learnt so much, and it's great to see so many of you getting a kick out of it too. Uh, we might talk more about our trip in our mailbag segment and touch on parts of the, the trip that garnered most response from our listeners. Uh, but in the meantime, I thought, why don't we just get started like we normally do? And that's with our rugby league reflection. So what have you got for us, Big? So running through the theme of I'm feeling just in a really good place at the moment. Yeah. I, generally, I'm in, generally in pretty good places most of the time, <laughs> but I'm in an extra good place now. However, upon reflection of the, the amazing trip that we've been on, I can't help but allow little nagging thoughts in the back of my head. Like, I don't want to say the futility of holidays, or but it's just quite amazing how when you're on holidays, mm. when you're on a trip, when you're traveling, whatever you want to say, when you're on a journey... <laughs> Everything is amazing. Everything is really significant and all of that translates back into how your life is going to be at the conclusion of your Mm. trip. So I'm thinking, what, two and a half weeks ago, we were embedded in Toulouse Olympique. We were part of the team. We were a part of the project. (laughs) That's right. We were on the farm. I was scoping out blocks of land adjacent. I was counting (laughs) heads of sheep. I was working out what what the yield would be from the the milk I was going to get from my sheep dairy farm. I was picturing all these ways in which my life was going to be so different from this point on. Absolutely. When I get back, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. I'm going to practice my French. I'm going to start working on any kind of skills that that team needs that I can possibly fulfill, I'm going to hone those skills. Mm. Everything in my life is going to change from here on in. <laughs> and, you know, you get back and you're still on that wonderful post-holiday high. You get back into work and you suddenly, uh, reality starts to hit you. It kind of washes over you. It doesn't matter. You can fend it off for a while, but then it kind of sinks in. And I'm, not, I, I'm going to say it weighs you down, but I don't mean that in a depressing way. I just mm. mean, like, it quickly erodes that optimism or that that new look on life that you had found Mm. it quickly washes it away without you even really realizing it sort of brings a a mist over it so it sort of fogs it up like where is it where's it it's still still there kind of and it's not until moments like now when i have to sit down and go what are my reflections going to be for this week i realize my newfound uh lease on life Mm. it's been washed away because if i look at my current circumstances now 
nothing has changed from beyond from when I when I took that trip because here I am writing my reflections and I'm trying my hardest not to make it about how the Tigers <laughs> broke your heart. had a a season defining match coming up last week yeah. against opposition they should have beaten mm. and they managed to throw the game away. Yeah. And yet even after that, I've seen this happen countless times. I still am allowing myself to cling to the very slim chance that they're going to go on a run. They're going to make the finals. I can feel it. This year, this year is the year. And I said to myself, after they lost to the Bulldogs, in a game they should have won, I understand they had injuries, blah, blah, blah. They still should have won that game. Yeah. So I was thinking, if they don't make the finals this year, then that is seriously, that's it. This time is the last time. I do not accept it anymore. I know winning is secondary, but please, the, the, the team that's had the longest finals route in the history of the NRL. Yeah. It's becoming unacceptable. And I say to myself, this year is the last year. But then I think, oh, okay, I'm going to give them one more year. Oh, well, this year, fine. But next year, I mean it. 2020. That's it. That's it. So, I don't know. I don't really know what to take out of all of that. But uh, So, if I can, <laughs> just get this straight. Mm. So, you go on a holiday. You have a wonderful time. You learn so many things. You meet so many great people. You come home on a high. Things are going to change. You're going to That's do right. things differently. Things are You're going to change. Improve your life. And then the Tigers play. <laughs> and that's you, right. That's basically it. Yeah. yeah and you yeah. just that just is the, the trigger. You are back, back to right, right back where I started. And look, don't get me wrong. Where I started from was still a, fa- a great place. It's a mm. wonderful place to be. Yeah. But from where I was on the farm, I keep looking back to the farm. From now on, when you, you have like a, one of those sessions where they say, close your eyes, mm. think of your happy place. Do you know where my happy place is? I've got one guess. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's in Realmont. Well, it's in a little property just off of Realmont mm-hmm. where I'm uh, raising some wonderful French sheep to contribute to the Toulouse Olympic project. Yeah. Well, fantastic reflection. Thank you. I, I love the masochistic nature of Tigers fans and their Twitter feed after <laughs> a loss like that. People are saying things like, oh, you just know that they're going to go on a run and it's going to come down to the last game and then they're going to lose by 50. Yes, yeah, but the thing is, and I'm, I'm firmly in that camp because yeah. we saw this exact same thing happen in 2016. Mm. All they had to do was beat Canberra in the last round on Sunday afternoon at Leichhardt Oval, Oval and they make the finals and they, they lost like 63-2 to two or something <laughs> horrible like that. So we've seen it all before. Yeah. Well, it's good to have you back. Thank you. Good reflection. My reflection, look, it's a reminder that you can't have it all. Mm. Okay, so... I have a weird relationship with weddings. I never really intend to have one of my own, yet they're a big part of my life. As a kid of Italian parents, I went to so many weddings, they punctuated my childhood. And now they're sort of punctuating my 30s, you know, we're at that age. And that's great. They're fun. It was the fact that my friend was getting married in Europe that gave me, gave us, the opportunity to create our own rugby league adventure and visit places such as Perpignan, Carcassonne, Toulouse and Leeds. I doubt we would have done that otherwise if there wasn't the pool of Euro nuptials. And so there was a beautifully cruel irony when I found out that the Rugby League World Cup 9's tickets were on sale for October at Western Sydney Stadium. Mm -hmm. Now, this is an international rugby league festival at a brilliant new stadium right on my doorstep, or effectively, gimme, gimme, muchos gracias. Oh dear, I feel you're going to tell me some terrible news. So I said to my girlfriend, as you know, Vigal, who was an integral part of our Euro Rugby League adventure. Now, she's not a, a sports mad person by any means. But she kind of enjoyed it. I said, what do you think about checking out the Nines World Cup? We had such a good time to lose. I think you'd like it. It's a great way to punctuate. Punctuate our October. (laughs) She said, yeah, maybe. When is it? I said, it's the weekend of October 19. She said, we've got a wedding in New Zealand that day. I said, ah, come on. I said, maybe I'll go to the Friday night session. 
She said, we're flying out on Friday. I said, ah, oh, oh, come on. What time on Friday? Ah, oh, it's not happening. <laughs> you got to laugh, don't you? The wedding giveth, the wedding taketh away. <laughs> That's true. But we'd have to say what the wedding gaveth far outweighs what it is taking, oh, yeah, taking yeah. away. No doubt, but it would have been nice to have both, surely. A timely reminder that you can't have it all. Mm. And it kind of, it reminds me of this rugby league related moral dilemma that I think I've kind of posed to you before in that we talk about progressive rugby league pillar number one is entertain me, chuck it around. Mm. You're big out, right? I am. And you're in your mid-30s, and you're hoping to live a long and fruitful life. Definitely. And theoretically, if the Tigers uh, make the top eight before 2021, <laughs> you'll be a Tigers fan for the rest of your life. So let's say, let's say you live to your 95, another 60 years. From this day forward until the last day of your life. So that the next day you are dying. It's, it's over. You're breathing yeah. your last breaths. You've had a great life, luckily, well done. But you've got your family around you, you're reflecting on life, and you're reflecting on your 60 years from this day forward of following the Tigers. Yeah. Now, we say winning secondary and chuck it around, entertain us, but you can't have it all. So here's a scenario for you. You follow the Tigers from this day forward. They are the most entertaining team in rugby league. They give you so much joy, so much drama to follow, so much theatrics, but they never win a premiership. Do you look back... <laughs> with satisfaction now option two is the tigers play a gritty brand of football they entertain every few years but every couple of years they really knuckle down and get pragmatic and win the odd premiership every 10 years what's your preference because you can't have it all the odd premiership every 10 years oh, that is a, that's an amazing <laughs> like, cadence of premierships what right. are you talking about? let me rephrase they win two premierships in 60 years 60 years of... They, they, they are making the finals in these 60 years. They're not, not a guaranteed finals. Uh, presence, but one, final, like a, one finals appearance every six years. Oh. <laughs> but they're entertaining. <laughs> Hang on. That's inter- what I've got now. <laughs> There's nothing different to my current situation. I'm supposed to... They're, oh, not playing, they're not playing entertaining football now. They're playing okay oh, they're football. they're playing pretty good football. Oh, come on. They're not the Tigers <laughs> well, of 05. Come well, on. If you, you know why they're not the Tigers of 05? Because that got found out really quickly from 2006 onwards. You've got two options. <sighs> 60 years of entertainment and the most exciting rugby league possible, but no premierships. The odd grand final appearance. Oh, well, okay. But no, no but still, premierships. But no, you, can't, the odd grand, you know I'm going to choose... I'd love regular entertainment, and I'd love to a team that I can be proud of. Mm. But you're going to need to give me finals appearances more than once every six years. That's right. that's what they're doing now, basically. Well, that's the negotiation live on here. I'll give you finals appearance every four years and two premierships in 60 years. You oh, know. Can we come back to this next week? All I really right. need to crunch the numbers on it. It's, it's a tough one. Point being, you can't have it all. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> Look, there are reflections. It's good to be back. It is. It's great. Now, before we get into the mailbag, I'd like to discuss what we've missed, what's changed, and what hasn't changed since we were last on air roughly six weeks ago. Indeed. So just want to get ourselves up to speed because we're a bit rusty and, you know, just to get to a point where we can just move on from. So what's changed? What did we miss? What hasn't? Well, what hasn't? Melbourne Storm, St. Helens, still pretty good teams. Mm. Yep. West Tigers, still on track to finish ninth. (laughs) Standard, yep, yep. (laughs) Catalan's still on track to miss the finals in befuddling fashion. <laughs> New South Wales, still origin champs. Mm. What an f- incredible finale that was. That was great. What did we miss? Benji and Robbie reached 300 games. Feel good stuff. Oh, it was... What did we miss? Stephen Kearney kicks a towel. This, was ha- this has to be some of the best locker room footage I've ever seen. <laughs> Because Stephen Kearney's always such a pretty cool character, he is. isn't he? And, yeah. and to see him completely, completely lose yeah. it, but to punctuate that with a towel kick yeah. right at one of the players, it was it was spectacular stuff. 
And it was really quite theatrical. It was like he was in a, a play. Like, you know, he was kind of like, duh, 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 and he just does the kick at the end. It was beautiful yeah, it stuff. Was On a much more serious note, shocking scenes at the Catalan Warrington game a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Crowd violence. That was kind of sad to see. We had just been at that ground a couple of weeks mm. prior, so it was incredible to imagine what it would have been like. It would have been terrifying for yeah, a lot yeah. of the fans this, there. This is just really... It, it's, it's pretty shocking stuff. And what it does is... Like, after coming back and learning so much about the state of the game in the UK, mm. rugby league rarely makes headlines. Mm. And unfortunately, when it does, it's always for the wrong reasons. And this is just another one where it reminds people that aren't tapped into the, the rugby league news feed, oh, that's right, rugby league exists. Oh, yeah, that's right. And it's full of hooligans and it's violent. Yeah. Like, it's really, it's And there's it's an awful investigation stuff. going on now. Hopefully, the culprits can get, you know, life bans, let's face it. We've got oh, to, definitely. Got to oh, come I mean, down plus, hard police charge it's, well, yeah. it's a legal issue as well you can't you yeah. can't do that it's funny though isn't it because a lot of people complain a lot about the sanitized experience now you get at sporting events and i think a lot of people like english rugby league and european rugby league for that atmosphere and the fact that you're allowed to you know mingle and have full strength beers and all that sort of thing unfortunately it's it's examples like this that is a reason why professional sports become so sanitized and it seems to be a growing discussion about crowd violence in rugby league in the uk which it's an important conversation to have. I've read a couple of interesting articles, one on The Guardian, one through our League Hub, with club CEOs basically saying it's a growing problem and it has to be clamped down on. So this is a really important issue for rugby league in Europe, particularly in the UK, because as we say, it's not a big sport and it's fragile. Now, what has changed? Castleford women's Super League team, not unbeatable. Before Oh, tell me. Well, yeah, before we went away, it looked like they were just going to go through the season untouched. They were playing amazing rugby league. But, of course, they lost the Challenge Cup final to Leeds Rhinos, a resurgent Leeds Rhinos, led by a captain's knock from Courtney Hill, former big batter, of course. And it was great to see also friend of the show, Lois Forsell, at the forefront of celebrations. That's what away. Now, what did we miss? Whinging about referees. That seems mm. to be back. I've noticed that. Yeah, I really think that we, we left talking about referees in, in Australian uh, rugby league media. went through this whole shift about 18 months ago where it reached this point where referees were just in crisis and everyone sort of realized, no, that's ridiculous. Mm. Calm down. Relax. Mm. And everyone sort of forgot about it. And mm. now it's like maybe things are, it's, it's that theory that you had, I think. When things are going well, find something to complain about. I mean, there is a referees crisis literally every year, right? So, or it's manufactured most yeah. years. Now, there was one last year and that was going through most of the season and that was difficult. And that was more relating to the philosophy of refereeing. So you can kind of understand an uproar about that because, you know, people like to see less penalties and they were clamping down and they were blowing more penalties. The uproar this year seems to be just about mistakes that are being made complaining about either kind of annoys me if you're complaining about just mistakes referees are making then surely we we know by now it's a given that referees have a really hard job and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to cost teams games Mm. but yet people complain that referees are making mistakes and they're costing teams games i mean this is the reality of life it's a reality of sport and particularly in a such a difficult sport to adjudicate like rugby league it's a reality of rugby league. Mm, now, the other side of that is complaining about the philosophy of refereeing. I want to see less penalties. We all want to see less penalties. No one likes to see a game punctuated by penalties. But that's a really naive view if you think that you can get zero penalties or very minimal penalties every single week. Because if you say to the world, oh, we're going to let the game flow 
and we're going to put our whistles away, then professional coaches are hearing this and are saying to <laughs> yeah, their players, exactly. hey, guys, they've been leaning on the play of the ball. Hold them down a bit longer because they're not going to penalize you. And so referees, when that's happening, they have to blow the whistle sometimes. They're going to, yeah. There's going to be some weeks where referees are going to have to say, you know, enough's enough. We're going to have to clean this up a bit. So I think it's just a bit naive to go, oh, it's annoying that they're blowing too many penalties. Yes, it's annoying. But, I mean, that's the reality sometimes when coaches are trying to get every advantage they can by slowing the game down as much as they can. If you're not blowing penalties, then it's just going to be slowest wins. You know, if you yeah. can... You want less penalties? Yes. Commit less infringements. Like, how about that? <laughs> how about that? And also with, with the referees, referee mistakes deciding games, player errors also decide of games. Course. Like, of everyone, course. I mean, this is, no, this is no amazing new way of thinking about it. We've said this from time, like, a million, a million times, but mm. everyone focuses on things that the referees did wrong or mm. think that one act by the referee changed the outcome of the game. Yep. The outcome of the game is the result of, a, of countless different acts Mm-hmm. Right or wrong from every single person on the field. Yep. So, yet we all focus on what the referee has or hasn't done. Mm, it's strange. Uh, what else did we miss? Justin Holbrook from St. Helens to Gold Coast Titans. Yeah, now that I find really interesting. Mm. And I will take a note out of the book of progressive rugby league hero Steve Mascord, mm-hmm. who, wrote a, who wrote a column basically saying Justin Holbrook has decided to go from the best club in Super League to the worst club in the NRL. Mm. And that further highlights the gap between the two mm. um, competitions. And I know there's more that goes into it. And he also pointed this out that, yes, Justin Holbrook is Australian and probably just also wants to come home. Sure with his family to Australia. Mm. But it does, when when you are the club of when sorry, when you are the coach of the best team in a league mm. and going to coach the worst team of another league looks attractive to you, mm. and that probably says something about the, yeah, where the where the two leagues are. Yeah. And you know, of course, I'm sure he wants a challenge. Mm. And my word, there is no greater challenge at the moment than getting something out of the Gold Coast Titans because they're in yep. a real spot. Um, but I think it's yeah, it's just a real case to highlight the gap between the two. Yeah, absolutely. Now, on our sweet babies, what's changed, what hasn't? Well, nothing's really changed. <laughs> Toronto Wolfpack still dominating. <laughs> Toulouse Olympique still entertaining. London Broncos still fighting hard. Catalan Dragons still enigmatic. So we'll get to we'll get to them a bit I further. The, the, the Catalan Dragons now remind me of watching someone going downhill on a skateboard really fast and you think they've got it together but then they get the death wobbles. <laughs> And you're just yeah. wondering, what's going to happen? Are they going to go through the run smooth, like smoothly and everything's going to be fine? Or are they going to not be able to control those death walkers yeah. and just completely do themselves a horrific injury? They seem to enjoy it. Yeah. Let's also not forget the NRL officiating ranks. Mm. New ground. I think probably the first day that we, we met up overseas yeah. with the first appointment of a female referee to control... A game, yes. So who, who was that again? Belinda Sharp, fantastic. So one of the two full time, one of the one of the two females on the full time refereeing staff at the NRL. And I think the game and fans of the game have been crying out for waiting for this to happen for a yep. good a good two years now. It was either going to be Belinda or Casey Batcher, mm-hmm. and it was Belinda Sharp, and she's now just part of the full time group controlling the games in the middle. It's so brilliant. Mm. Right, I think we're up to date. Okay, that's it. I think so. I mean, a pretty incomplete list, uh, just off the top of my head. Well, I was at work. But anyway, uh, I think we're close enough to up to date. That'll do. It's been a while, but now it's time for... People have questions. People have thoughts. They write into us. We try to answer them. PRL Metal Bag. 
It's the BRL Mailbag. Yes, mailbag time. And like I said earlier, we had an enormous amount of positive correspondence from our two road trip episodes, the Audio Scrapbook and the Struggle in the Daring Book Club. Now, I'm not going to read it all, lest we sound like we're, to use another Seinfeld reference, dipping our bald heads in oil and rubbing it all over our buddies. But I did want to quickly say thanks to everyone who got in touch with such generous comments. Uh, we had the Duke, Gene, the International Rugby League Sumo, Stu McLennan, Gina, George Clark, Ian, Steve Brady, Lord on, the guys from Chasing Roos, the lads from Sportopia, Professor Tony Collins, and that's just off the top of my head. Really, really appreciate it. And there are a couple of common themes or points of focus in the correspondence. One was our interview with Toulouse coach Sylvain Hule. Now, a number of people, including Liam from Brisbane, really enjoyed his refreshing approach to the game. The focus on attack, the lack of regard for completion rates, the emphasis on playing a style of play that is fun for his players. I mean, that was really a highlight for us too, just to not only be at the farm, but get his insights into the game of rugby league. Now, that moment almost didn't happen because we kind of got in touch with Toulouse when we were on our way over there saying, look, we're going to be in town. We'd love to catch up at training. We'd love to speak to a couple of players. And we kind of angled the the farm visit like, look, if it's easier for Sylvan, (laughs) we'll be happy to visit his farm. That's how we sort of played it. We got back some correspondence saying, yeah, come to training. And and look, you can organize the farm trip with Sylvan when you get to training. We were thinking, okay, well, we'll see what happens. But this was a hot topic in our traveling group. Oh, it certainly was. It certainly was. In the lead up to that, we were having dinners and this was a focus of conversation because we were determined not to be in imposition on Sylvan and to lose Olympic. So we were discussing it, debating it, and we decided that if even there was a hint, even a hint of him being put out of place by this idea of us visiting his farm, we would withdraw inviting ourselves to go visit his farm. So we just we went over to him at training and we started discussing and we brought up the idea. And let me tell you, there wasn't even a skerrick of hesitation in his voice. He was so welcoming from the time yeah. it was suggested. He goes, of course, yeah, come on, come on over. Yeah. It's going to be great. And we did have a great day with him. We had lunch with him. We sort of uh, had a look around his farm and we had a, you know, we just chatted rugby league for, yeah. for a couple of hours. So it was really a, a great honor, really. I remember those, those intense group discussions about <laughs> how we were going to handle this proposed farm visit. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, our desire not to be an imposition on him. Our biggest fear, because it was it was two-on-one, I'll, I'll say that me and, and, and Jono's partner were firmly in the camp of we should just not ask because this is not fair on him. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like he's going to, he will feel like he has to say yes. And then our big, the reason we thought it was going to be an extra tough ask was we thought that he'd feel obliged to, to feed us. So, like, he'd have yes. to put on a big lunch and, like, <laughs> you know, slaughter one of his sheep and give us a roast mutton or something like that. We were really worried about that, you know, yeah. the European hospitality and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Luckily, it didn't pan out that way. We mm. did have lunch, but we met at a restaurant yeah. and we, in fact, got to buy him lunch, which yes. is really... Well, it's the very least we could do, of course. <clears throat> oh, definitely, yeah. We wish we could have done more. Now, one of my favourite moments of that trip was... So we were driving to the farm after the lunch at the restaurant. We were following Sylvan. We made it to the farm and we got out of the car and... 
and we had like a whole bunch of dogs come up to us and and look my relationship with dogs is <laughs> i have a healthy respect for dogs but you know you know don't mind a bit of distance mm. and so i was being well accosted by a couple of the, the farm dogs there was i mean by sylvan's words there was a bad dog and a good dog <laughs> yeah so the was, bad dog was was well, i wouldn't say aggressive but it didn't it was quite territorial it didn't like the cut of my jib but even the good dog was sort of you know jumping over me and i i really didn't handle it well and luckily you were there to sort of compensate for my poor handling of the situation. So you started rubbing the dog and sort of like cuddling it. Cuddling it. I saw what was going on. I knew what needed to, what needed to be done. Which then triggered Sylvain to say, you like dogs, Big Al? And then your response was like, do I? Oh, I love dogs so much. Oh, this is the best dog ever. So I really appreciate you compensating for my But You know what? It, it, actually, it, was a, it was a wonderfully, it was it was. It had been with Sylvan for a while. It was an old ex-working dog. It was yep. one of his ex-working dogs. Retired dog. Retired dog. And it, she was just the sweetest thing. Yeah. She was amazing. And spoke more French than I did, which is somewhat insulting to me, <laughs> I think. But that line from Sylvan, you like dogs, big owl. You like I, dogs, I, I, big owl. That's an audio <laughs> tattoo I have on my brain. That's right. Now, putting a show together like that is very different to putting together a weekly episode. So... On a weekly basis, we do this sort of show, and after you leave the studio, I put it together. You spend the rest of the night editing. <laughs> no, no, every, like I listen through, edit it a bit, and then chuck it out there. But doing this scrapbook was a very different situation because we recorded various things that are all over the place. We had different conversations, you know, we were outdoors. So it took a lot of time and piecing together. So what that means is, I hear it a lot because I'm putting it together. Is it, go- is it going well together? Is it flowing? So I'm hearing our voices a lot and hearing what we say a lot. And so oh, I I'm, notice- I'm very well aware of what I say a lot, oh, especially in that episode. I know. Oh, <laughs> I know it's the common uh, themes and I've got one for each of us. Oh, no. <laughs> now, if I hear you say... Oh, <laughs> if I hear you say, Sydney oh, Fisher... Oh, did you say that? Oh, Thing, I want everyone to realize. If I hear you oh, say Sydney Fishbowl oh, no, one no. more time, oh my goodness I know, gracious! I know, I know, it really stuck out, didn't it? But uh, just, just so everyone, everyone knows. I said those things in isolation. I didn't say them in one long. I didn't say Sydney Fishbowl five times in, in in the one visit. Like I said, I understand. We said several different things across several different days, and yes, I obviously say Sydney Fishbowl a lot. So that's now stripped from my lexicon. It's and gone. I'm throw it out. I'm no better. I. I always say, oh, it's quite something, isn't it? <laughs> it was quite something. I say the word quite so much. Oh, it's quite something. Sometimes I say, it's quite something to behold. Oh, vomit. So, yes, that was great to go through and just hear ourselves repeat yeah. the same thing. So, so we'll work on that over the next we'll, few weeks, ladies and gentlemen. Apologize to... Uh, All in sundry. Mm. Now, we also had a lot of people get in touch about our book club episode with Mike Rylance where we spoke about the history of French Rugby League and my favourite quote from all the correspondents was from Jean from Sydney who said that book club episode was excellent it taught me a lot about French Rugby League I just thought the French were just some rubbish team (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realise they were once a powerhouse and I think that would be reflective of 99% of Rugby League fans in Australia well it's really common in the Sydney fishbowl (laughs) I can't believe it (laughs) Oh, that's the yeah. last one. No, honestly. They, they, <laughs> Actually, can you edit that out? <laughs> no way. They'd have no idea of the proud history of French Rugby League. So it was great to speak to Mike, help spread the word and sort of help uh, educate the masses out there. Well, I, the I think that, that's something that we that, that came out in that episode. <laughs> the, the everyday Rugby League fan doesn't know that France was once a good team. Mm. It just assumes that they're... Oh, they're like a, a novelty team, like yeah. But they actually were at one stage part of the tier one group of nations, yeah. Um, and they've got a great story. And we had a great afternoon at Mike's place in Wakefield, 
And that was another great day where we both were in Scotland. We had finished our rugby league tour and we went to Scotland on our different ways. Yes. I went with my partner and we went around Edinburgh. You were around the Highlands. You were sort of all over the shop. And we met on that morning and you drove us down from Edinburgh to Wakefield. I did. And we were pretty tired when we got to Mike's place. And man, the hospitality that Mike and, and Judy showed us was just out of this world. We couldn't believe it. We just, they were so generous. They, they sort of came back from their holiday themselves that day and yeah, sort I think of put did, on did, a lovely we, we spread. Had, our request, in fact, forced them to come back early, I'm <laughs> yeah, quite sure. Like, but still. There's us being that, <laughs> imposing our presence upon people. Yeah, yeah. But they put on a lovely spread for us, so it was really yeah, they, great. Yeah, they insisted that we stay for tea, mm. which was uh, sandwiches, scones, and tea in, yeah. the, in their amazing English garden. Yes. On a wonderful Wakefield summer's day. That's right. In it fact, was really quite something. In fact, oh, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, it was the second hottest day in UK history that day because, as you know, I caught a train back that night to Edinburgh. And that night, that the trains were all over the shop. And let me tell you, the air conditioning wasn't working <laughs> and I saw a part of humanity that I never <laughs> want to see again. But no, it was a great experience, a great day. And um, thanks for all your wonderful feedback, ladies and gentlemen. We really, really appreciate it. Just on us, the fact that we were tired for that trip from Edinburgh to Wakefield. <laughs> I'm now remembering we mm. were a little bit early, so we stopped in at a pub That's right. on the way to Mike's place. Yeah. And I fell asleep in the pub. <laughs> you did. And this isn't, it wasn't like I heard a few abuse and fell asleep. I legitimately had a nap. A nice little nana nap. You did. On the bench seats of the pub. That's right. Mm. And look, you did an amazing job driving around both France and the UK, so you definitely deserve that. So that is Mailbag and a bit of an insight into our trip. Thanks again, everyone. Now, you can get in touch with us via Twitter. Uh, don't bother about Facebook. We don't really look at that one anymore. Or progressiverl at outlook.com or Instagram. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So it's time after six weeks to get back into... A slug big gal and me, we like what we see when it comes to French Canadian Rugby 13! Not bad. What happened? Well, we'll start at the top in the Super League as we often do. Mm. Catalan have been, uh, I'm going to say, slapped in the rugby league face yeah. by a rampaging Leeds Rhinos who ran over the hapless Dragons 48 mm. to 8. Mm. Now, the interesting. Well, it depends on your point of view. The the really bad thing, quite funny thing. But mm. the talking point out of this one is that the Dragons basically had an extra man on the field for the last 40 minutes of the game yep. and still managed to lose by 40 points. So at 16-0 down, Dragons 16-0 down, Conrad Hurrell was sin-binned. Mm-hmm. So that meant that the Dragons claw back some pride, back yep. to 16-8. Nice. Then no sooner had Connie Hurrell come back on the field that a Leeds prop was red-carded and sent So mm. for, the, for the last half hour. So there was there were a man down. And then I guess that just meant Leeds entered beast mode or the Dragons <laughs> just thought they didn't have to try. I don't know yeah. what, what happened, but it went from uh, 16-8 to 48-8. Unbelievable. You just can't read the Catalan Dragons. They were coming off a pretty emotional match, I suppose, uh, against Warrington with the mm. crowd scenes and all that sort of thing. But really, they were atrocious. That's the only word really to describe a team that concedes four or five tries to a team with 12 men. Now, on the other side of things, Leeds, they're really coming out of their rut finally. Two 40-point wins in a row against top five-ish teams. You know, it's great to see. And we, we spent a couple of hours in Leeds, literally a couple of hours, but I fell in love with the city in those two hours. <laughs> so I've got a bit of a soft spot for the Rhinos now. Yeah. But it's probably no coincidence that they've turned it around roughly around the time, you know, they did that uh, swap where they gained Robert Louis, and they've also recently gained Reese Martin as well from the Bulldogs. So probably minimal coincidence there, but uh, they're back. 
And yeah. look, they're only six points out of the top five, for goodness sakes. They're, they're a mathematical <laughs> it's, shot. It's amazing what can, what can happen. I, I do have to highlight as well. I, I was, I wouldn't say cool on, on Leeds at all, but I was not, I wouldn't say I was a Leeds booster. Mm. Um, but after spending time with Ian from East Leeds <laughs> and walking around Headingley and just spending time in that city, yeah. I am firmly in in with the Rhinos now as well. Yeah, because you spent that night there. Yeah, I, I stayed in Leeds. It's a, it's a great town. It's a great city. And of course, you know, went through the, went to the Leeds uh, merch shop, got myself yes. a couple of things. So I proudly wear them. And I'm I'm all I'm not all in on Leeds, but I'm definitely you're half in on Leeds. Well, yeah. And of course, when we went to the merch shop, we bumped into Lois Forsell. We did the show. What a lovely. What a lovely human being Lois is. So she was very common. Well, again, well. like, and this was the common theme across the whole thing is that everyone we met, strangers, like random people that were fans of the game to mm. people, you know, to CEOs of clubs, mm. everyone was welcoming. No one, which, I mean, I guess it makes me reflect upon my own social awkwardness. Mm. In, in all of those positions, if somebody wanted to know anything about what I did... I think I'd probably just turn to stone. You'd be a bit like, cool. Yeah. yeah. Like, please go away. <laughs> but no, I, I, I must, I must use my experience to reflect upon my outward, yeah. the way I project myself to, like, you know, outwardly towards society, and just yeah. kind of be open and welcoming to all people. Now, back on the Leeds match, so Ian from East Leeds, he got in touch about a fantastic try, a cracking try by Richie Myler. Now, this had offloads, switches of angle, straight running, and a foot race to the line. That is a recipe for a cracking try. So thanks for sharing that with us, Ian. He's from Leeds. What else happened, mate? Uh, all right. So we'll, we'll talk about London Broncos. Gone down 20 points to six to the Castleford Tigers at mm-hmm. Mendehose Jungle. Mm. So this was kind of disappointing because the Broncos were actually ahead 6-4 at halftime. Yeah. But, I mean... Yeah, look, they have still in with a shot. Okay, I think they're a couple of points behind at the bottom of the ladder now. But they've got a run in where they're playing a lot of teams around that area. So we just know they're not going to give up. They're going to fight to the last minute. Well, so Danny that's Ward, we Coach of the Year, would, not, would definitely not have a team exactly. that gives up. And they got to the lead through a Brock Lamb try. Now, of course, Brock Lamb was playing for the Roosters earlier this year, and he's just been signed by the London Broncos a couple of weeks ago. He's a good player, but it's always a risk, I suppose, when you bring in a player, any any type of player, late in the season to see how we fit in, you know, not just from a playing perspective, but with the group kind of emotionally and yep. all that sort of thing culturally. So I, I find that very interesting with the English game and the, the European game. You can still recruit players until very late in the season. I think the deadline was last week or something. So it's very different to the NRL where there's a June 30 deadline, which is kind of halfway through the season. So it's an interesting one, and I'm not sure what to make of it, but hopefully it works out well for the Broncos. All right, so let's take a step down to the championship. And, uh, you know, as we already spoke about, the the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm. Toronto have uh, absolutely well of the York City Knights, 56-6. Yes. Now, it was great to see Toronto Wolfpack being able to celebrate the championship league leader shield in front of their fans. They had a really good crowd there. I think it was about seven or 8,000 again. Mm. Can, we, can we talk about the name, the league leader shield? Okay, let's talk and about the name. I've, I've always found if you compare a British thing with mm. an American thing, yes. the big thing you'll notice is that the British name is functional. Yep. It is a car or whatever. <laughs> and the American name is, you know, it's all it's all sizzle, right? It's right. like it's the high-flying rocket supersonic. Yep awesome car and I, I think that the, the league leader shield is a terribly British name because mm. it, it, it's the shield you give to the league leader like it, it doesn't need to be so razzle yeah. dazzle but we, that's, we, surely we can dress it yeah. up a little bit okay so something like 
the totally awesome, freaking amazing well, champion. Well, no, no, but it's just like give at least give it a give it a, a person's name or something. Oh, okay. You know, like yep. what are they the like the JJ Gilton and Shield, which is the oh, yeah. which is what they give to the minor premiers in the NRL. Yeah, something to give it a bit more, a bit more like um, cachet. Okay, something That's, league leader. All right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Get in touch. Let us know your thoughts. But I digress. So, Toulouse Olympique, a team that I'm now going to call the unfortunate recipient of all our love and affection, <laughs> have won what you might call a relatively close encounter against Winners, 28 to 12. Mm. So, Jono, the big talk in the Twitter sphere is mm. you've upgraded Toulouse from toilet viewing to living room viewing. Yeah, well, when they're on our league, when you've got a, a full 80 minute game, you know, that's upgrade material. So, I was able to upgrade from viewing like I normally do which is in the toilet. And I you know, spoke with my partner. I said, look, do you mind if I watch this one in the lounge room? She said, of course. It's a special occasion. It's very rare that you get to see Toulouse Olympique on the big screen in a full game. So there was, you know, it goes without saying. But it was a really solid display from Toulouse Olympique. It was a rare opportunity to watch them. And it's always a joy. They weren't at their absolute best, but they have so much creativity that you always felt that they just needed to click for five or ten minutes to get away. And that's what happened. There were back-to-back tries in the second half that really broke the back of that game. So it was good performances from Tyler Heppy, friend of the show, and also Junior and Paddy Bye-Bye were really strong as well. Now, this is something also that we spoke to Silvan about, which makes him such a refreshing figure in the game. And I'm not sure if it was captured on the the show or not, but we definitely spoke to him about it. And that was his idea that back-to-back tries are a way to break an opponent's spirit. Most coaches... After a try scored, their priority is to get to the end of the set and kick it to the corner. You've got to have a good set. That's right. After Good set after points. That's right. Just complete. Well, Sylvan, he just says, no, I want our team to score another try because that <laughs> really him. breaks the spirit of the other team. And that's exactly what happened in that second <laughs> half because it, it was game on for a moment there. Witness had got it back to 12-6 and it was a bit, mm, it was a bit, how's your father? And then boom, bang, bang. It was game over. Rapid so. fire. Sylvan, you've done it again. Yes, Carsten, our Iron Curtain Cowboy, did get in touch asking me how the toilet was. And I was proud to say, I'm not in the toilet. Yeah, I'm proud not to say, I don't know, I wasn't there. Now, another highlight of that match was a good centre battle between Anthony Gelling and Junior Vivi. They're two high-quality centres, so that was really yeah. good to watch. They both played quite well. All right, so move on. We'll talk about the ladder. Mm. So, Catalan with the death wobbles, as we spoke yeah. about. So, they're in seventh place now. So, they're out of that top five. Yeah. 26 points. However... Negative zero, mm-hmm. but what is keeping them out of the top five is a negative four of against of about 125 points. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's going to be tough going for them. You mean, if they keep winning... I'm surprised. So I say, sorry, keep winning. If they start winning, yeah. uh, you know, things can change quite quickly. I'm surprised it's only minus 125, considering they've, they've had a few shellackings. <laughs> some 50s, some 40s. <laughs> All right, so uh, down the bottom end of the ladder, we've got London, 12th place, outright last on 16 points. Mm-hmm. However... Only minus two That's in terms right. of the relegation zone. So there are two points behind Wakefield, Huddersfield, and Hull KR, who are all sitting just above them on 18 points. Can't wait to see what happens. So if everybody's tied for last place, mm. is it just straight up come down to four and against? It's going to decide who's... who's uh, good question. I'm pretty sure it is, but I'm happy to be corrected by one of our wonderful okay. UK listeners. Uh, all right, so looking at the championship, Toronto first place, and boy, howdy are they in first place. 46 <laughs> points. I've got them plus 13. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and then uh, just below them, well, not just below, but in second place, Toulouse, 34 points, and they're only on plus two. That's so right. it just shows the, ga- the, the gap that, t- that Toronto have, have put between them and base- and everybody else. Yeah, is that's huge. right. 
and the battle for the other four spots uh, is quite tight. It is. I mean, it looks like there is a gap between fifth and the rest. So Toulouse looks safe in their quest to be in the top five, but you really want a, a second or third, so you get a second bite of the cherry. You've got to have that second bite. Okay, anything else? No, I think I think that's all. But I, I wanted to, as I was going through the ladder, it reminded me of something that we asked Cedric about regarding the changes to the Super 8s formats. That's Cedric Garcia in yes. terms of... Uh, Sorry, the uh, CEO of Toulouse Olympic. Yeah. Uh, we asked him about the changes to the Super 8s formats, and basically the, yeah. uh, what we'll call the scrapping of the Super 8, to yeah. make it uh, one up, one down. And before we spoke to him, I was always thought, I just always thought the Super 8s is better, it's more exciting, it gives them mm. more opportunity for championship tends to be promoted mm. but he put he pointed out well super eights i mean no one got promoted or and, maximum one yeah, team and, yeah. and it, you had championship teams playing super league teams which is really you know it's just it, it's never really going to quite work out in favor yeah. of the championship team so yeah just thinking about now that it's automatic promotion and knowing that it's yeah it's all championship teams playing each other for that automatic promotion spot yeah i'm much more in favor of that yeah i, I suppose it was kind of a mirage in hindsight, the whole Super yeah. 8 thing. Uh, look, in very exciting news, our women's Super League team, the York City Knights, they have just won their first match of the season on the weekend, beating Wakefield 20-6. to What a wonderful Bam! achievement. After, yeah. you know, a tough season. Uh, they, they've just developed so much. At the beginning of the season, you wondered not only were they going to get a win, but were they going to score any points, but... Slowly through the season, they've developed really well, learned a few tricks of the trade, they've scored a few tries here and there, and then finally they've claimed their first victory. So that was a real feel-good factor over the weekend. So congratulations, York City Knights ladies team. Off the bottom of the Super League ladder with their first victory of the year. Elsewhere, I received a tweet from the Turkish Rugby League just letting us know about their 2019-20 season schedule so it's a very exciting season schedule they've got a couple of internationals in there and i think they've got a domestic competition going on as well so good luck all involved in turkish rugby though i must admit it was sent in turkish and i didn't understand a word but i just got the sense because i saw a few numbers and a, a few v's like there were games obviously being had so that's just my distillation of what cool. that was cool Progressive Rugby League. Let's bring it home with our prog moms. Prog moms. So I shall start. Uh, I have it on good authority that at Leichhardt Oval, not this week, but last week when the Tigers mm. last played, at halftime there was a PDRL match. Oh. So, and I, I think, I don't know what's changed, but PDRL is just, it's becoming more and more... Front know, and like, centre. Yeah, like people are paying attention. It's, it's just more and more prevalent, I suppose. Mm. And maybe that's because, I made, you know, confirmation bias. I just wasn't looking for it before, yeah. but... I'm seeing it in more and more places as standalone as standalone events, as complementary events to the NRL games and things like that. And it's just becoming more part of the, the landscape. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it's happening at other clubs as well, but I thought it was really great to see. It's such a, a feel-good occasion. I've been to one or two PDRL games and you go away smiling and feeling really good about the world. Mm. Now, my prog mom, it's about the Ken Stevens Medal. Now, this is awarded for outstanding work in the community. In the NRL, there have been four players nominated Joel Thompson, James Tedesco, Josh Adokar, and Connor Watson, and they will be subject to a public vote to make the final list of nominees to be awarded the Ken Stevens Medal at the end of the year on Daily M Night. So I just like the fact that the, the public can get involved in this sort of thing as well because uh, it is something that, you know, is glossed over a lot. You know, players do a lot of good things, yeah, 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 but they do a lot of genuinely good things, and, you know, it should be applauded sometimes. Mm. Okay, so should, should we call it? 
let's call it. Okay. Look, first week back, it's great to be here after six weeks away. A bit rusty perhaps, but it was good to chuck the ball around, throw a few 30-metre spiral passes and see what happens. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's been fabulous. We will see you next week. But until then, in Rugby League, we trust. <laughs> what? Uh-huh. Don't you remember how this goes? That's right. Come Sorry. On, come on. Sorry. See ya. What happened to Rugby League? Oh, hang on. Rugby League. Hold me. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> uh, so how do we go again? Oh, in Rugby League we trust. Woo. Uh, I've been saying it.